spoke with Marina Cantacuzino, who's the founder of the Forgiveness Project and also an award-winning journalist. And Marina uh, and Joao and I, we, we spoke quite extensively about forgiveness and um, among other things. But I think what was really beautiful about the chat and what we really appreciated, what I appreciated was the, the, the nuance and the layers and the subtlety of forgiveness and how, how non-linear it is, actually. And also, I think, just how fundamental it is and um, how important it is for you as a person to forgive a lot of parts of yourself uh, and how that sits in your relationship with other people. And actually, you, you have to be able to do that, it's seemingly, before you can start to actualize and to grow and develop. So um, I think Marina just really clearly and beautifully communicated that in the chat. Yeah, uh, for me, I adored our conversation with with Marina, uh, and um, like we were talking about before, for me, it's 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 uh, it's a topic that is really um, really close to my heart and that I that I that I find fascinating, and I think that is an important conversation because it's it's so hard to forgive, and like we. We almost don't even have the the words to to even start to understand forgiveness. So I think that's why a person like Marina, who comes and like expresses it in such a uh, eloquent and 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 uh, simple way, um, just um, gives us the opportunity to think a little bit more deeply about that kind of. Um, behavior that's that's so important and so difficult to have in our lives and and to start to forgive yeah you know just to start yeah 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 Yeah. just take the first step i think there's this um this story where you you kind of you neglect for pretend like that's not you and then i think there's there's bits of it that are calling calling me again and i wouldn't say that i'm a catholic per se but it's like um, Ram Das, you know, Ram Das, uh, he was, have you heard of Ram yeah. Das? Yeah, so Ram Das was a professor uh, yeah. at Harvard. He was, he was the one who kind of started this psychedelic movement. Yes. And uh, drop in and drop out. They were telling kids to get high and drop out of school, basically. <laughs> and, but he was really influential in kind of free... And eventually became Ram Das, mm. uh, this spiritual... Uh, spiritual teacher and then actually towards the end of his life apparently from what I hear he went he he, he, he kind of found Judaism again and and mm. um, and re- and kind of came back to some of these principles that he had been raised on mm. and I think there's like there's probably something quite human about that mm. that you know that those whatever those things are that are really important to you or help kind of have guided your growth and development in some way you maybe come back to how did you how was the how did you find the celebration actually part? in the end I found it beautiful yeah I was expecting it to be long and interminable but it wasn't yeah so I'm happy to hear because I know I'm, I mean I have uh, my mom's my mom's cousin who also lives in the UK and she her brother passed away recently and and I, I, I called to see how they were doing, and, and but I just remember feeling in the conversation, thinking, I, I don't think I would grieve. I don't think I grieve like that. And I think there's some, there was something really Italian Catholic about the kind of yeah. that, that, <laughs> that process of. I think of, I do grieve like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, like for me, it's like it, you like the day of the funeral and the whole. Um, the whole ceremony around it, it kind of helps um, to remember and release the, the whatever you have with this person. So like for me, like that was my great granddad. And uh, yeah, like I, I cried my eyes out basically. And I like for me, like I, I took the, um, the coffin. So that was kind of like a, I don't know, like I just felt it was something I wanted to be a part of, like to, you know, and and yeah, like I was crying the whole way <laughs> from the church to the thing. But by the end of the day, like it was, I, I felt released, you know. There, there was, it, yeah, it's just, 
I felt that if I didn't do it that, that day, that might have stuck with me like internally for a much longer time, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a resolution there in a way, mm. which is interesting actually because you, we are in some way, I think what you're doing is in some way trying to support uh, a discussion or, or discourse and, and a resolution. And uh, actually it's, it's quite interesting that, that there is that, yeah, the, the, the grieving is, a, is, a, yeah. is this kind mm. of, you get to say everything that you wanted to say. Yeah. And, or in my grandparents' case, I didn't, they didn't speak English, so yeah. we, didn't, we could only have yeah. some, some level of connection. Sometimes it's like you even, um, a friend of mine's mom just passed away recently, and one of the things I, I talked with her was um, maybe you should write her a letter, you know, say the things that, because she, she died quite um, abruptly, so I just told her, Maybe just write everything down that you ever wanted to see to say to her, and just you know send that with her, you know. And that's, that's awesome. yeah. So I think it's, and I think it did help her out because, like, it somehow feels like you are resolving some some of the, these issues that were that were not resolved in life, you know. So, so we're um, we're here with Marina Cantacuzino. And um, Marina is um, uh, of the Forgiveness Project, and we're here, I guess, to talk about forgiveness in some way, and also, yeah, maybe a resolution and uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and family, and um, but uh, yeah, welcome and thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, That's Marina. Nice <laughs> we appreciate it, and. Um, I think forgiveness is a really, um, it's a really important topic and for a lot of reasons and I think also the abstract is also quite an interesting thing to get into and, and obviously you've probably, you've seen kind of a variety of ways that that is manifested. Um, I'd be curious to hear, well, uh, we, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the Forgiveness Project and what it yeah, means what to it you. Is. Yeah, I what mean, is it? It's a hard thing to explain. It's not easy in one sentence, but you'll give me a few more, maybe. Um, and I think more. that's because people have all these expectations about forgiveness. And the minute you mention forgiveness, people assume you're persuading people they must forgive and that it's a really good thing. And if they don't, you know, that in some ways they'll be depleted or it'll be a bad thing. Um, so it's a the Forgiveness Project is essentially a place of inquiry and examination um, because through storytelling. So what I've done as my background is journalism is collected real people's stories, both from the perspective of victims and perpetrators, to show journey transformation. And so essentially what the Forgiveness Project does, it, it's, it's a platform for sharing stories, but what I call restorative stories or restorative narratives. So they're stories that focus on empathy, compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation, and show a progression from, you know, hate to hope, or from bitterness to forgiveness, and, and show how people recover, how their hearts are mended, how broken communities are reconciled. Because mm. I felt, I started it because I knew the power of story, individual personal story I felt that they were much more powerful than theory yeah um, I knew that because in my work as a journalist the stories that were always picked up on or people responded to or felt they could walk in the shoes of someone else was when I interviewed real people those were the stories that grabbed people so the Figmas Pro project really just puts out stories you know it's also a community of stories a lot of support through working together because we have exhibitions, we put on events, write books, mm. we have a prison programme where people can go in and share their stories live. And it's also become a kind of movement of people who support it, um, sometimes financially, but more often just in sharing on social media the work that we do, the stories we tell, we believe in peaceful solutions to conflict. Um, because I suppose, it, very broadly, it is a peace-promoting organisation. Um, but just going back to what I said right at the beginning, it is about exploration and inquiry, not about propagation or persuasion. Because mm -hmm. one thing I'm absolutely certain about, if you tell people they must forgive, yeah. 
you know, they put up their defences, they're, they're not going to. And it's not always appropriate. It's a choice. Yeah. It's personal. Yeah. And I, 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 it's a question I'd like to ask. You, like, uh, do you think that sometimes it's just, like, not possible? And But maybe sort of, like, internal resolution and say, it, like, it's it's finished, but, yes. like, it's too... Yeah. Too much, like to to forgive yeah. maybe somebody That's specifically right. or something like that. I think it's such a sort of grey area, and like people want explicit definitions of what forgiveness is. But when people ask me, I sort of think the one thing that is more than what you've just described, which I would say is letting go mm. and acceptance. Yeah. Forgiveness. There has to be a degree of empathy and compassion for the person or people who've hurt you. Um, and that's the difficult bit, in a way. Mm. Mm. And that doesn't mean you condone or excuse what they've done, but you yeah. see them as human like you. Now, we could all agree that that's fairly easy with a friend you've had a falling out with, and then mm. they apologise and you reconcile. Mm. Very easy. Mm. Much more difficult, and we share stories like this, where the person who's hurt you is a killer or um, an abuser. And yes, it is possible, and everyone's different, and people do it to heal themselves, or to reconcile with the pain, or with the person, and people do it to help themselves, essentially, mm. not mm. to be kind, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, the, the process of forgiveness, then, for, uh, from your perspective, is that fundamentally has to be about some level of understanding person as another person with needs, yes. with feelings, yeah. with with some motivations, etc. Yes. And it's rather than the abstract idea of like of that, it's more if you understand that individual, then then you can actually start seeing them as a person rather than a yeah. And yeah. A, a monstrous event. I mean, we were talking earlier about someone called Joe Berry, whose father was killed in an IRA bomb, and who now does talks and publicly speaks alongside the man IRA um, activist who planted the bomb. And one thing she always says, which I think is very powerful... The bomb of the attack that killed her, her father. Killed her killed her father. Yeah. yeah. So the man responsible for her father's death. I mean, it's, it's a difficult conversation they have. It's not always easy. But they've done it for years. And one of the things she says is about Pat McGee, who is the former IRA terrorist. She says, if I had lived your life, perhaps I would have made your choices. Mm. And it is that ability to think, if I had the body, if I'd had the influences you had, if I had the brain you had, maybe I could have done those terrible things or hurtful things. You know, and that, a lot of people can't and don't want to go there because they it's feel very true. offended when people don't behave. Well, we can all feel very offended if people don't behave as we want them to. Yeah. You have to be very mature yeah. to be able to do That's something all. like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because maybe the challenge of our time, which is, okay, well, we were talking about today was 19 degrees in Norway, the coldest, or sorry, the warmest day in in, yeah. in, in January in history that of, of recorded history, of recorded weather and and it's really easy to it's really easy to say well you know this person should be doing this and that person should be doing that and yeah. what about the baby boomers and so on and so yes. forth and uh, actually you put yourself in that in that state of mind or in in, in that place where actually you, you would have done the same exact thing or you would have behaved the same way or you would have, you would have developed the way that you have developed. And what's the potential for that, actually? I think that, for me, that, that's... I, 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 there's, there's, a, there's a question there about what, it, what does education need to look like? And, and I think the storytelling thing is really amazing. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on where, does, where has that gone from telling, you know, okay, we've heard some stories and we're telling a story, and actually now we've got a, we're doing events now, and we've got we've got the potential to to maybe change mindsets or change the way that we we t teach people or that we evolve. Or what's kind of your thoughts about how this thing continues to when evolve? When you say this thing, the, 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 the forgiveness project, oh. yeah, yeah, this journey or this project that you've been. Yes. 
It's, it's 50. Started very small in my kitchen, and it has slowly evolved, not, not fast. I mean, I actually think it's been a very organic process, and to push it in different directions, which every now and again over the 15 years, with the help of others, um, we have tried to push in different directions. But sometimes, because it is such, so reliant on people's stories of pain and hope, but essentially, there's a lot of trauma within the organisation because people are coming with their stories of trauma. That conclusion some time ago that it was better to, to to protect it in a way. So it's not, it's never, I don't think it'll ever be a massive um, global force. I think it operates under the radar. I'm still amazed at how many people have heard of it. Its reach is far, but it's, but it, it's never going to be have offices in every city in the world. I used to think it would and it could and that's what I wanted. Um, but I think I'd rather protect the people much intricate and part of it through their storytelling. We keep collecting stories, we keep collecting more current stories. It's very important to collect stories when people are ready to share their stories. <clears throat> so, you know, people have said, have you got any stories from Grenfell Patel, for instance? And it still feels too early for that because the trauma of that event is still so... And forgiveness isn't appropriate. I mean, yes, there will be some people who have a strong faith who won't want to feel antagonistic towards those who were responsible for that fire. But overall, as an organisation, I don't think we should um, be sharing stories around forgiveness with Brentford Towerfronts at this point, 10 years down the line. Maybe that is the right time. So a lot of the stories that we share, the event happened a long time ago because that is what forgiveness looks like. Restoring and repairing in the aftermath, in the, in the, in the time of trauma and pain and hurt, people are hell-bent on survival. And they don't want to know about forgiveness. And, and nor should they be encouraged to forgive. I'm a great believer in accountability, apology and injustice. Sure. Mm. And also takes, uh, it's a part of that process, like yeah. you can't be expecting, uh, you know, without yeah. the appropriate time to have the healing process happening inside to be able like to, to open up to forgive. I, I, like at least no, that's, I that's my feeling. You know? yeah, I agree with you and the evidence bears that out. Mm. There is a thing that we talk about which is premature forgiveness which isn't helpful. And there was one woman whose story, again, her son was murdered. Um, and she was very, very strong, possibly Catholic, but I can't remember, Christian, very, very strong Christian. And she believed it was her duty to forgive the killer. And she spoke about forgiveness, but then she also said, in hindsight, she looked back at herself, she said, I haven't forgiven at all. Yeah. I felt I should. Inside, I was full of hate and bitterness, and actually, I was driving everyone away because it was coming out in anger. No ways, yeah. Yeah. And it was only sort of several years later she came to meet the man responsible for her son's death in prison. And they had a very profound meeting that she understood what forgiveness was, that she saw him as a human being. Yeah. It's yeah, but without, without that space. Yeah, exactly. Th then th that wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. It's interesting because it's almost like you have some degree of trauma that comes from any particular act. Like you might say something that uh, um, I feel uncomfortable, and that you know maybe I maybe I, I need a, an hour, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe I, maybe I'm well practiced, and I can say, all right, Joao, I know that's you, that's, and or that's my emotion. I have to be responsible for my emotion. Yeah, yeah. But I, it, it's interesting because I, I remember hearing. Um, I remember hearing Maya Angelou talk about forgiveness, and obviously also a very uh, strong Christian. Yeah. And she said, she she was, I think, quite like almost flippant about it, but it was quite light, and it was like, you know, okay, I'm done, I'm done with holding whatever I'm holding against you, and, but yeah. also I'm kind of done with you as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I thought yeah, that sounds like you know you know someone said something to you or flipped you off or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is. Because maybe actually time for something like that is 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 maybe more of a hindrance, you know, where you 
if it's something smaller, actually, maybe you don't want to hold on to it very long. And there, yeah. and, and obviously, we're talking about we're talking about things that are yeah. Yeah. incredibly yeah. traumatic. And, yeah. But also, I mean, a friend of mine was telling me about a falling out she'd had with a very close friend years ago. So what she told me was a really good example, I think, of how actually forgiveness is very much about body language, and less about verbal language. Mm. Um, or, and, and, or less about sort of asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness, and less about use, using the word of forgiveness. So she was just telling me, this is very common, you know, that this thing she'd been holding on to, this resentment of this person who'd hurt her, I don't know what he'd done. And they'd kept friendly, but it had been... You know, not really Roughly. close and a little bit difficult. And she kept thinking about it years and years. And she, one day he came to stay with her and her husband. And he said, I want you to know I've been thinking about that over the years. And it wasn't right. And that's what he said. He said, it wasn't right. I shouldn't have done it. That's all he said. And it was enough. It was the, the acknowledgement um, and the accountability that she looked for. And she said, that's all I needed to hear. I just needed to know that he'd seen that it was a bad thing. And she said, I felt totally different. I let go of it all. I was it close again, you know. And it's so interesting because it wasn't really about forgiveness and yet it was all about forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like in that case too, there's, we experience reality in, in a certain way. You say something, actually it doesn't quite, it's not quite the way I'm imagining what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And if you don't acknowledge that or I don't acknowledge that, there is this, there is this kind of tension that will... Stick. And we've experienced it in our families as well, and yeah. with with siblings and these kind of underlying things that are unresolved for many years, yeah. and they just uh, away. Yeah, they do. And I think it's so. I mean, as a as a facilitator, I mean, you, you walk into a room and there's a group of people, and th- those 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 things linger, and and actually they're they're, they're really as simple as like, are you stating reality how I'm seeing reality, and if not, can we? And I think what you said about kind of the empathy and all it takes is just an opportunity for you to just see from my perspective for even a split yeah, second, yeah, yeah. you know. It's interesting to think what happens when, when someone won't accept you or say, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I have, like, I've hurt somebody, but I don't really know what I've done. Mm. They haven't told me and I've apologised. I've accepted I've done something that's been unhelpful, hurtful, mm. and they haven't accepted it, and this particular person just refused to speak to me again. And no matter what I said, that was it, you know. Mm. And I think that's a really difficult situation because they won't forgive you, and you want them to forgive you, and you've apologised. Mm. But I think uh, my lesson in that was just that... Um, you know, not everybody's going to like you always. Mm. That some friendships don't last forever. Yeah. And that, because I actually felt very angry with him as well for a while. Because yeah. I thought, why, why don't you forgive me? You know, why won't you be my friend anymore? And yeah. you know, it took me a long time to actually accept that it's perfectly reasonable for him to make those choices. And this happens in relationships a lot, doesn't it? But someone who falls out of love with someone and, and the expectation that it must go on forever, that you and therefore you must always feel this. So I think yeah. forgiveness is so, so about accepting that people will change their minds, that people yeah. will stop loving you, that people, you know, that they actually have every right to, and you have to let yeah. them go. Because... I mean, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. really the, the, like, if you, it's the only way that, it, it's real love. Yeah. Like, uh, it's the only way that you have to accept the other person for, for whatever they are. And that's not saying that you should try and help them along the way if, they're do, if they do things that are hurtful for you or that you don't feel comfortable with or whatever, but, yeah, there, there has to be that. Yes. Know, I, well, at least yeah. I so. And people then heal much quicker and are able to move on and find mm. other relationships. When you cling on to something, I think, you know, bitterness does far more harm to the person holding the bitterness oh. than the person it's held against. What is, what is that? Because... Um, I was I have I was having a conversation very very recently with a family member, and I think with this particular person I felt like, okay, I'm old I I'm old enough, and I that th- there has to be a point where I just take some responsibility and and for me that meant I'm going to expect 
I'm not going to expect this thing that I should think I should get, whether that's affection or, or unconditionality or whatever it is. And, um, and we had this conversation, and there was something that was said that I didn't appreciate, and it wasn't a strong emotional reaction, but I knew it wasn't true. And I said, hey, I, I don't think this is true, actually, what you said. And, and what I'm hearing is, you know, you, you're mixing maybe me with someone else, and, but I, I, I just don't think that that's how talk and I think part of me wants to like part of me is still maybe like you should uh, you should be you should be this person that I that I, I meet yeah. you know yeah. and part of me is saying you it's you, you have to kind of take you just have to be mm-hmm. you have to be responsible for yourself mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. and that that thing is feels like part of this conversation yes, yes, yes. which is okay how much is this for me how much is this mm-hmm of this thing that I need from this person. And that feels integral to, the, to this forgiveness yeah. discussion. Yeah. It is, and I think it can change as well, doesn't it? I mean, you know, this thing that forgiveness is a place you arrive at where everything's fixed in some way and remains. It's not usually the case, actually, because things can happen in your life and trigger painful feelings again, or something can happen. Hmm. Um, so it's ongoing. That's you know, a really interesting yeah. way to see it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like I have never, had, but I kind of always felt like that, you know. Give an example. No, just, I'm just, sure. just no, no, no. I mean, just, um, just in terms of, um, yeah, expecting that something is finished. Like it doesn't. It's. I mean, if you care about, the, uh, if you care about the person, yeah. especially like, uh, sometimes like these things are, there's just, like. It's the past. Like it can't be changed, it can be accepted. But like, yeah, you're right. Like it just brings back. Can some things can bring back old feelings and things that you thought were resolved, and you just like have to. Maybe maybe it's not going to be as hard as last time, but like it's still a part of that process, and it's always there. You know, like it's so you have to organically sort of. Feel it and see how you feel. Maybe give yourself some time. Maybe maybe explain yeah. to the person that like, okay, I need my space now. Like, it's okay. I still love you, but you know. I don't really know how you are going to react. I read something recently which I found quite moving. Um, Jean-Michel Jarre, a um, French, very well known in France musician, was describing his terrible relationship with his father, who he felt had never loved him. And he was talking about the, his father was dying and he was at his father's deathbed and he went to see him. Um, and he sort of came to the conclusion that there was a hardening in his father's heart, that he was in some way, what he said, handicapped to love his son. So he was thinking it through like that. Mm-hmm. And then he heard himself say, just before his father died, you know, he said, Father, please forgive me for not being able to be loved by you completely flipped it over. But the amazing thing was that he said that it released everything for him. You know, and it came from nowhere. He didn't know he was going to feel that, but it somehow made total sense to him. Mm. And it was all... And in that sort of case, I imagine that probably was concluded Mm. because it was at his father's deathbed and Mm. it was necessary for him to move on. Mm. Um, But very often, things... Life, you know, life is, doesn't go the way we expect it to, mm. does it? Most times. Most times. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's uh, like uh, very, like the, the the very famous Rolling Stone said it. Sometimes uh, you don't get what you want; you get what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do you know? Have you noticed over the fifteen years in the uh, kind of synthesis of the stories as they come in that you you notice these trends or these skills or these things that people require to have those moments or yes 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 most definitely um and i've pinned it down to four or five (laughs) 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 yeah well the first thing is curiosity um it seems to me that if you don't move from why me to why you why them you know, you don't actually, you can't forgive or you can't have empathy or compassion because, you you know, 
if you think you've got everyone figured out, you have quite a blink perspective on life. Mm. So asking questions and having curiosity about another person is key to trying to understand them. Um, and then, of course, that is about a broadening of your... Because this black-and-white thinking, I'm right, you're wrong, mm. is, is actually a very unforgiving attitude. Mm. It's easy, in a way, because it's very, it makes life very simple. Yeah. I have my parameters, I know exactly who yeah. I can be friends with, who I can't. If you do this, you're out. This, a lot of people do live their life like that. It's like an accepting of grayness. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of, that you Forgiveness is definitely accepting of the grayness. And that people won't, you know, good people do bad things, and bad things happen to good people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, life is morally complicated. That's life is morally up. complicated, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and that builds an empathy. Um, which is about letting go of, resent of resentment and, and, you know, once you connect as human beings, mm. even if that person has done terrible things, but you see a grain of... Uh, a grain of humanity in them, um, that is about forgiveness. But and I think key to it all is this ability that people have, and I know this through the stories, to make meaning out of pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is moving from... from um, the narration of an offence to you mm. as hurt feelings mm -hmm. to the narration of an offence to you as something of significance. Yeah. And as a part of a story, of a story. Yeah. Like, I, I was just, you're talking about greyness, and I was just thinking, like, some of my favorite characters in literature and movies and everything are great characters. And that's the, the yeah. like, they only feel real even if they are kind flawed. of, kind of yeah. flawed. Yeah, you know, like, nobody is perfect and they're, there are evolutions and people <laughs> transform. I mean, it's the archetype of the hero, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's um, but yeah, the, the, the that 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 is like, it's an interesting idea that it's these flawed people that we actually connect with. You yeah. Know? If you yeah. see it through that lens, yes, it changes the whole narrative. And Shakespeare talked about, you know, talked about the most evil of people. He talked about them as ruined pieces of nature, which, you know, which I thought was... It's very lovely. So the, so the third one then is about meaning making. No, I think we moved to the fifth. Curiosity to um, broadening perspective to empathy to letting go of resentment and meaning making. Although those are just aspects, not in that order necessarily. And, and it's an aspect process you, you think it's it like can be a process but it comes in different orders. Hmm. You know, I don't really believe in stages necessarily, but I, I think the thing about the meaning making is that everybody I've ever talked to who has been on this process journey towards forgiveness forgiveness. Um, has made use of what's happening to help others. Right. Um, so meaning making doesn't mean you suddenly make sense of everything, because some things are senseless, but it means you put meaning back into your life by relentlessly pursuing what matters to you. And what matters to you is often helping others, or a support group, yeah. or in what way it might be gardening, you know, or walking in nature, but it's something that you... You put your whole heart and soul into it. It's a change of behavior. Yeah, change of behavior. From a change in an emotional yeah. reaction to something, yeah. and then that just transforms into, if it's dealt with, at least that's what I'm hearing. I yeah, but it involves other people usually, or, well, as I said, it could be, it could be a relationship with nature, but it, it is something that, that fires people again. And so one of the storytellers that we have for instance, is someone called Jill Hicks. Now, when they, we had the London 2005, mm -hmm. Jill, who was an Australian working here, lost both her legs in the bomb. And she she hasn't actually... A lot of the stories don't actually say they forgive. She doesn't talk in terms of forgiveness, because she says she's not here to forgive the suicide bomber. Mm. But she is... Her work has been, from then to now, about not hating and about understanding why someone would do that. Why would someone who doesn't even know me want mm -hmm. to kill me? Mm -hmm. So it's all about being understanding and building bridges. But she talks life one and life two. So life one was before the 
terrible incident in life two years after. So it was a different life. It was a life that had a lot of pain, still does, and difficulties, but it also broadened her perspective, let her do new and amazing things and meet people she would never have met and opened her in a way that wasn't open before. Mm. And in some ways it was much richer. Having said that, she'd rather have black. Life is yeah. still incredibly difficult with the disability she has. Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 the trauma is a provocation to a, a whole new world, yeah. essentially. Yeah. A kind of death and rebirth. I mean, yeah. life one yeah. indicates yeah. a kind of death, right? Yeah. And life two says, yeah. well, actually, yeah. yeah. And another talks about finding the... Mm. You know, you do, you know, it's not necessarily forgiveness, that. But forgiveness can be part of the story. But finding the gift in the wound is a way people do get through trauma. Yeah, you almost have to, it almost feels like you have to start from that, that place where, which is actually this thing is a gift in a way. And maybe it's not the thing I would prefer. Yeah. But it is, it is a provocation, it's a gateway, it's a new life. Yeah. And if I, can, if I can just position my mindset that way, the other things, maybe become a bit easier. Maybe it's a bit easier yeah. to say, well, who is this person that I've never met who's tried to kill me? Obviously, I, I haven't been. But um, that feels quite crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And it's the acceptance of that it is a different thing now. Yeah, I think. exactly. You're not fighting to get back to how yeah. you were before. And have, you know, that, that is the only reality now. It is accepting new reality. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that um, that self-acceptance of like new situation um, is, is part of this, for, this forgiveness, yeah. even if you don't yeah. do it specifically with a person? I think so. I think self-acceptance is also very connected with self-compassion. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't um, have compassion for yourself, it's hard to have it for others. And if you're not humanity, you can easily dehumanise others. Mm. And I think self-acceptance is part of that. It is, it is very important because otherwise you're forever um, beating yourself up, which can lead to self-harm and can mm, mm. create damage in the yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. You know, to yourself and to others around you. you uh, it's an interesting thing because a, a close person to me um, said, uh, like, uh, his, his dad not, uh, basically, like, left, and uh, he sees the whole situation as, and I think he has uh, dealt, dealt with it, maybe dealt with it is not the right word, um, accepted it, yeah. but <clears throat> um, later in life, sisters from his dad have tried to contact him and say, you know, like, we're your sisters and whatever, and he just said, sorry, but you're not, and I, I, like, my dad is, is dead, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not, a, I don't think that he's deceiving himself. Yeah. He understands the situation, but that's the way he deals with it. Yeah, it's the only way to deal with it right now. Yeah, yeah. everyone deals with it in a different way. Mm. Do you have, have you seen this process of self compassion in some of the stories? People have described they've been able to maybe just take care of themselves in a new yeah. way or better, yeah. and that's kind of. Yeah, there's a couple of stories um, that instantly come to mind, and actually both of them are to do with rape, um, where the women concerned, one over years and one over months, did one form of self-healing after the other, whether it was reading self-help books, taking courses, going on. Uh, they went inwards, both of them went inward, knew it was the only thing they could do before they came out again. Um, and it was what saved them. Because another thing that can happen is, uh, I noticed this the other day, two or three people's stories that um, having children can trigger a lot. It can, do, it can work either ways, actually. It could either trigger past trauma, because mm. especially if it's... Um, mm. And, and so sometimes these things can lay dormant for a while. And this has happened with a lot of women I was talking to. You know, she was dealing with it, she buried it, then she had her child and it all came up, and then she 
decided she had to work on herself. Yeah. You know, these are quite enlightened people who, hmm. who are prepared to go on that journey already. But both of them would say there was no alternative. The alternative was death. You know, hmm. they would have with the pain. Hmm. You know, and it is all about, it is forgiveness in many ways, is a pain management strategy if you look at it. Yeah. I was going to say, what's, what's the opportunity for public health? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it allows you to um, to deal with trauma. Yeah. It's an amazing thought if you imagine it as a pain relief, in a way. And, and actually, the, the talk that I saw a couple of years back um, uh, was extraordinary because he said, it was, it was at one of your events, and and he, he, he had this thought experiment, which was just, a, could you imagine if a, if, a, if a previously colonized country said to its previous colonizers, like, like a, you know, a country in, in the Caribbean to a, a Western yeah. European power, we forgive you. And we do it in a way that is, that is actually lined with some, we, we're, we, we appreciate where we're at, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We understand from your point of view, we would have done the same thing. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And what, what is the potential for you know, a group of people, a community, a nation that, that kind of aligns around this idea of forgiveness? Yeah. I thought, wow, I've never. Yeah. I mean, that's not, obviously, there's, there's an incredible amount of trauma. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot there. But as a, just as a thought experiment mm -hmm. and as a, as a, as a, as a concept, mm -hmm. in a way, it's, like, it's quite extraordinary. Hopefully, that's the, that's the path we are walking it might take us a while but yeah I mean I think all those things could be even acknowledging that what happened in the past was wrong yeah, yeah. The first step. of course I think people are also looking for justice and then what does justice look yeah. like you yeah. know, and that is quite problematic yeah um, exactly. sometimes it means restitution you know like after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, South Africans who've been really hurt were promised money basically mm. but never materialized so that that didn't help i've been promised maybe it would have been better yeah right the yeah. expectation yeah, yeah. The expectation. it's probably not even about the money it's about the promise yeah exactly yeah. this happened with zimbabwe yeah. as well with another kind of going back on on promises of land yeah. reconstitution what's yeah. do you notice the difference um, or do, do you guys explore the difference between uh, a more local story. You, like there's, I know there's a program with between um, in Rwanda between the Tutsis uh, and um, I'm, I forget the Hutus. The, yeah, the Hutus and and uh, obviously you just mentioned South Africa. Yeah. Do you guys explore those kind of distinctions um, or? Yeah, in the sense that if you look at um, conflict between two groups. And well, that could be also the indigenous Aboriginals in Canada or Australia or in Syria or South Africa, as you say. I think it's it's much more. You know, the whole co conversation about forgiveness is much more complex for the reasons we've just said to do with justice. Um, but there are processes um, that have been very effective. There are the Gachacha courts in um, Rwanda, where, which is like a community court for people. It's like restorative justice, really. Right. So restorative justice, and it's happened also in some of the, um, some places in Canada, because there's a lot of pain and hurt mm -hmm. in Canada, yeah, similar to, us, to Australia. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in my view, the only thing that really works is when uh, people are held accountable and where people have safe spaces to share stories. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa went a long way to do that. And definitely, many people think, stopped further bloodshed being shed. Um, but restorative, so yeah, restorative justice, I think, mm -hmm. is the way for conflicts, which aren't interpersonal, they're intergroup, yeah. much more complicated. Yeah, like complexity there. Yeah. And, and arguably is forgiveness what they're looking for? Probably not. They're looking for justice. Mm, sure. And, justice. and accountability and apology and remorse. And, and these things are just as powerful as forgiveness.
Yeah. Are you familiar with what happened in, in that particular? Okay. In the Truth and Reconciliation Commission? Um, yeah, a little. I mean... Is there a kind of consensus about what it was that was, was so powerful and useful in that process? Um, I think the sharing of the stories and being heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you think that um, you, you're talking about like uh, that justice, having that justice, whatever it might be, even if it is understanding that the other people feel remorse for certain actions, can actually be a part of the healing process? Yes. For the, the I think violence? so. I think actually the idea that punishment is what rehabilitation isn't very true. I think. I think what rehabilitates the victim is to know that the person has accepted what they've done wrong and has agreed to change and will make reparation, some kind of restorative action, Mm. not being locked away necessarily. Um, And I think in this country we have something called restorative justice, which is where a victim, offender, meet face. Um, And they'll only happen if the offender is willing and able to show to apologise, mm. and the victim gets huge satisfaction from it because they hear what happened, they're able to express their own pain, um, and... And even probably for the perpetrator, it, it's it's uh, a form of, you know? Definitely. And hard. I've heard prisoners, because yeah. we do some work in prisoners, I've heard prisoners say, um, harder than serving my sentence was meeting my victim. Wow. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. But in terms of, there's been a lot of um, research done on this, and it has shown between 15 and 27% um, decrease in recidivism, which means less people yeah. going to pre- back into Not prison, back to prison involving, which is huge. Nothing yeah. else has shown that much. And for victims, it shows 80 satisfaction. Normally the criminal justice system as it is, is about 15% satisfaction. Wow. So it's, it's well researched and highly effective. But it doesn't really involve forgiveness in the sense that forgiveness may well be an outcome, it actually often is. We have many restorative justice stories. Um, but it should never be an obligation. Mm-hmm. Because it's just about the other actually. Yeah, and it shouldn't be expected either. Yeah. Do you that you mentioned that earlier as well as this kind of um, this fear, the, the word forgiveness maybe to some people is is quite a strong assumption about what is expected of me or there's maybe guilt involved in that as well I, I should I have to forgive and and but what how, what do you think is useful in the kind of broaching of an everyday conversation around forgiveness when you're trying to balance this this anxiety people might have about what is expected of them in terms of the forgiver, you know. What have you learned about how you kind of broach the time? I've broached twice. It's such an interesting one. It sounds really weird, but in some ways I almost say leave the word out of it. This is bizarre. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> I think that's because it's burdened with piety. Um, and also it can almost feel like a act of aggression, so if I say to you, um, I forgive you, you know, you're immediately going to become rather defensive and think, what, what the hell have I... It can be a bit, you know, like me bestowing forgiveness on you. Right. Um, nevertheless, you know, the way I... And I think that's all to do with history and expectation yeah. and association. Yeah. And yeah. everyone thinks it's to do with Christianity and rather... Yeah. You know, just for the m- mentally strong or the morally superior, and mm. it's got all sorts of negative. <laughs> but nevertheless, I find it fascinating, yeah. and I think it is a real powerful process of transformation. And my favourite quote, which isn't actually a definition, it's more a description, is attributed to the right uh, uh, American writer Mark Twain, and he said. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sh- sheds on the heel that has crushed it. And I like that because it shows that forgiveness grows out of damage. Mm. Some, some pain has to have occurred, something oh, yeah. has to be hurt. 
that it's messy. You know, this image of the violet all crushed under the heel. Mm. But also that from it comes this amazing fragrance, this healing balm. And I think in a way that's, that's my favourite description of forgiveness. I think it's also really important to think that forgiveness, failing to have an angry, painful, emotional response to something, yeah. it means feeling that pain, yeah. but not responding with vengeance. It is the crushed field. Yeah. And it means not being defined by what's hurt you and not being identified as the single thing that's your grievance. Yeah. The, I, I wonder how we, we teach this because it feels like resilience as well. It feels like the, the person who can, can forgive and can be forgiven uh, is is also as as you said earlier. It's, it's, there's a maturity that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And there's also resilience, yes, but also a sort of soft, malleable sense mm-hmm. that I really do think that people who forgive, whether it's small or big things, and everyone's different anyway. What's big to one person mm-hmm. is small to another. Yeah, yeah. is. Um, they're people with very broad perspectives on life, you know, that don't understand everything and are very happy to say they don't understand everything. I see softness in them, gentleness and kindness. That's resilience, yes. There's a bravery and a vulnerability to, to that, mm. I think. Yeah, which there's is... definitely a courage associated because actually to forgive someone can be very isolating because people don't really like you very much they don't want you to very often and your friends like a good example is someone another of our storytellers who was beaten up um, and left for dead and nearly died and you know was in, in and out of hospital for two years after that and the day he came to you know came conscious after the attack his friend went to bed saying we'll go and get we'll go and get him yeah, and he, he's one of the rare examples, actually, who I would say didn't, t- didn't take years. Instantly, he's, he felt forgiveness towards the person who'd done this to him. Mm-hmm. He desperately wanted to know, what does it take for someone to have seen his life so worthless? I need to know. And mm-hmm. years later, he met him in a restorative justice meeting. But... His wife found it very difficult because he talked about forgiveness, you know, in those early years. Mm. And she came around eventually, but she was... She wasn't ready to forgive. She was certainly <laughs> not ready to forgive all those friends. That's and he felt very isolated. And that's not uncommon. That's really interesting though, right? And that, and, that, and that even, like, in my perspective, that even shows how how much more evolved he was, like, yeah. in comparison. Yeah, and he's an example of someone who'd done a lot of work before, and he was a very spiritual kind of guy, and it was something that sustained him. Mm. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily happen that way, um, but with him, it was really. Sort of, and I think Joe Berry, who we were talking about before, when her father was killed in that mob, she'd spent you know several months in India before that, and mm. had come. But she's interesting as well because she said she spoke about forgiveness a lot in those early days, and now she looks back. And she thinks she shouldn't have. She thought it was wrong. She didn't know what it meant. She said, I didn't know what it meant then, but I felt I should. You know, that goes back to the premature forgiveness thing. So it's, yeah. it's very complex. It, 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 it has to be an intention. It has to be, it sounds like it has to be something that you truly feel and believe in, as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, but you can line yourself up for it, I think. Intention is exactly yeah. the right thing, because that's the first means something different to everybody. I mean, I, I kind of know what it means if I think about things in my life. I know when I've forgiven someone who's hurt me, um, bearing in mind that they might not think they've hurt me, but it means that I'm at ease with them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not blaming them anymore. Take your own, you know, maybe it's just a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because it's yeah. also a feeling. So you're saying we should. You're saying we should connect with our feelings, and <laughs> that's a good idea. I'm just aware. I'm just conscious of time. Um, 
I, th I thought I think it's uh, I, I was I was also thinking about you the other day because I thought I was watching a film and it was a I think it was about Mr. Rogers as uh, an old uh, Amer American TV star for kids yeah. and uh, they were asking him the burden that he felt for how he had kind of positioned himself uh, in regards to young people and being this role model and uh, he talked a lot about emotions as well but um, I'd be curious to hear how you how that's worked for you in terms of you are kind of head of the head of this organization and this in a kind of way in a movement in a way and um, you you then are now somehow a kind of bearer of <laughs> of the idea of forgiveness you know and the and I know my work as a facilitator I, I'm very conscious of when I'm not at work am I am I my teams to be, or my groups to be, and yeah, am I integrated and am I living this life that I claim that I'm living? And I'd be curious to hear how if that comes up for you and or how that's evolved in well, 15 years. I mean, if I think, are you asking whether I, in my life beyond the forgiveness project, use the all that I've learned within the forgiveness project and how I perceive? And also, I guess more like how it sits for you and how you've how you've evolved and your perception of yourself. And because I imagine also, you know, like the idea of the podcast is that these these people who are creating things and they're mm. either that's a you know whether that's a project or a, or a charity or a, or a piece of art or the, you know these these pieces yeah. of work that Jess have made. Jess has made and these mean something to Jess. I mean, this is this kind of collection of his, yeah. of his um, heritage. Western heritage, and, yeah. um, African heritage, and there's a. I think there's an aspiration in this work, yeah. Jess. And like a meaning. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think f for me, I mean, I started the Forgiveness Project by accident. It was nothing I set out to do, and I think I started it partly because of the Iraq War in 2003. I felt there was such an angry dialogue going on and I wanted to find stories which were about compassion and empathy for people who had been hurt and other to show revenge and retaliation. Um, I also think I've always really believed in peacemaking and not hating and apologising. You know, it's just been part of my nature really from when I was a child. I've been very I'm so comfortable around stories of pain. I had a lot of death in my childhood. My brother died, my two cousins died disease. And I think that's what led me to journalism, actually, because I started writing about disability and all that. You know, that led one thing led to another. But when I started the Forgiveness Project, I had no idea that it would still be going 15 years later. And... I do find people do have expectations, you know, that sometimes on Twitter, I have my own account, and I do a bit of a forgiveness project, and all of mine, obviously, but angry about something. And while I never use angry words, you know, and I might retweet something that has a strong position, people say, ooh, I thought you were the forgiveness project, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were the forgiveness project. <laughs> Sweetness and kindness. Sure. <laughs> and to have no strong feelings yeah, about right. injustice. Which is which is uh, humanly possible. Yes. I mean, that's I the know. whole gray thing. I mean, you you do feel these yes. things, and yes. it's just yes. the more how you process. But I have. I'm very careful now about what I say publicly because I really believe in what Brenny Brown said. Um, she's the. Do you know her? She's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yes. I, um, yeah. Academic American. And she says, um, she's really cautions people against name calling or saying nasty things mm. because she says we just poison the water supply from which we all must drink. Mm. So I think it's a much stronger position. Yes, certainly call people out and say this is an injustice, but do it always politely. Um, that's what I try to do now because I don't think. It's helpful, and there's so much anger out there, and the discourse is so 
nasty, isn't it? Yeah, and especially on Twitter. And it's in it when yeah, I think whenever you have like <clears throat> a feeling like anger, it just it um, it uh, almost what's the word I want? Um, it takes over you in a way like it it like like a like a demon or something like yeah. that, you know? Like yeah, and yeah. then it's so easy to just let it let yourself be guided by yeah, that energy yeah. and it's and then you're yeah. just like feeding it yeah. more and more and more and especially in spaces like that 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 just like creates that like uh triggering or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. you want to call it and then people just want to like put inside of of that space and it's just you just as easily like choose to not do it yeah. even though people don't think that's possible yeah. it's actually it's very very simple. You just yeah. say, "I'm not going to be angry." Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to use this. I might say that in my mind, but I'm not going to verbalize. Yes, mm. I think there's something about social media, particularly Twitter, where it's just giving oxygen to it. Mm. And I think, especially since the Forgiveness Project is all about sharing these, what I call before the restorative narratives, it's about trying to focus on compassion, empathy, forgiveness out there, because stories are powerful and stories of hate. Um, can just as easily, you know, create a world full of hate and division. Yeah. So the stories we share are so important. Therefore, I thought to myself, well, our language is really, really important. So one thing I can do is be careful about my language. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The words that I use. I think we're really unaware of also the the the, um, the impact of the subtlety of language and energy yeah. that we put out and mm-hmm. and. What that, what, how that affects our day, how that affects our relationships. I think even, even something as subtle as, you know, this, that these words of frustration, or even if they're not directed at anyone necessarily, even they're directed at ourselves. It's carelessness. We're just carelessly using uh, words that you don't mostly, you know, like that's the thing. Like, you, you, mm. like if you precise, if you were a bit more precise and what you were saying, then maybe not even say anything close to that, you know, but it's just like, we yeah. just, uh, it's okay. Like, I'm not really paying attention to what I'm saying, you know? I think I was, um, I was doing an exercise recently at a, at a workshop and we had to kind of explore sensation in our body and what were kind of the key points of, of feeling in our body. And I was coming back to this in my, kind of, in my upper back. Yeah. And then the idea was if that point in your body would, could write you a letter, what would, it, what would it say to you? And I remember thinking, you know, oh, you don't take care of me and this thing. And, and, and before I started to put pen to paper, I, 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 could, I, I was already realizing this kind of, this um, really critical kind of angry voice that was challenging me. That's the way that you talk to yourself, you know? Mm. And it was, yeah. it, was, yeah. it, was quite, it was quite a moment of like, okay, hang on a sec. Is that actually the kind of letter that I want to write to myself? And um, I, I write, am I writing that letter to myself every day, actually? Mm. And, and so subtle, you know? And mm. um, really powerful. Yeah. Also, I think it's important, you know, I have three children and... There's a situation in the family, which I won't go into, but there's a situation where they feel something mm. that someone else has done. And they all feel a bit, you know, hurt by it. I think it's not fair. And in many ways, it's not fair. And I tell other people about this, they're quite appalled by this thing. But all I can do, and some people might say it's wrong, is to try and get my children to see. I can actually, I can actually see what why this person has done this thing. I put their shoes. Mm. I can absolutely understand it. It makes perfect logical sense. So I spend a lot of time when we talk about this thing. Well, it's not a lot of time. It's not like a massive thing, but I try to try to encourage them not to feel hurt or a bit bitter about it because I can just see how these family things can blow up and mm. extend across the journey. Yeah. You know, I suppose that is about forgiveness, isn't it? It's about... It is. Um, yeah, acceptance, forgiveness, letting go, just accepting that, okay, it's not fair. Life isn't fair. Mm. What do they say to you? Mum, you know, we don't want to hear it. You know what they say? <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, we're entitled to this. Yeah, in a way they are. Yeah, but I know sure. I can just, it hurts me as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't want to have a falling out. You know, mm-hmm. we've never, in my family, we've never had any fallings out, mm-hmm. which I think is an amazing achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah that, I'm talking about the big, broader family yeah. cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, do, do you want to ask Marina anything No, else? I think, uh, no, I just want to thank you. Oh, yeah, I've enjoyed the chat. Um, I think it's been really insightful and really rich, and um, I, th- I really appreciate you coming and sitting with us for an hour. So. Lovely. Thank that you. Was amazing. Right, thanks, Marina. Cheers.